0: so again we're at the festival last time i preached here online we met jesus at the passover festival do you remember that when he was cleansing the temple well uh, today again we meet him as a festival is drawing near this time it's the festival of tabernacle festival of beads, festival of shelters, as it's also called. See, in Norway, we have an expression that goes like this. A loved child is known by many names. And it basically means what it says. If you find that people tend to call you by many different names, you can take it as a sign that you're loved. And this festival, who goes, which goes under a lot of different names, i believe it must be a favorite one especially among the children you see for a week they get to eat all their meals and sometimes even sleep every night outdoors in a tent together with their whole family how fun is that (laughs) and just as the festival of um, the passover festival was about remembering so this festival is too you see It's so important to God that we remember the things that that He does for us. That in the Jewish tradition, He has put in place whole long festivals to make sure we don't or they don't forget. At this festival, they would remember how God cared for them as they were walking for 40 years through the desert. After God had set them free from their captivity in Egypt, which is what is celebrated in the Passover festival, after that, the the people, they rebelled against God. And as a consequence of that, they needed to walk around in the desert for 40 years. Here, although the people had been unfaithful to God, God continued to be faithful to them. And this is what they remember in this festival how while they were walking around in the desert for 40 years living in tents god cared for them how he gave them food manna that fell from the sky how water was brought out from the rock how their shoes never wore out i mean using the same pair of shoes for 40 years if you're really into fashion that might not sound like a great thing but what a miracle His presence with them as they were being led by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire during the night. All of this they remember through this festival. And I am thinking already here, before actually getting into the text of today, we've got something to learn. I wonder how many things God has done in my life that I have forgotten. And that is sad. But then I also have those moments in my life where I go, I, I remember I've gone through something similar to this before. And this was what God did to, to me then. That's how he helped me. And that encourages me to, to trust that he can do it again. And that's what this festival was about. Remembering what, what, what God once did. God once helped you, God is faithful. He will do it again. But now let's get into the text. It's an interesting one. We are in John 7 verses 1 to 31. There are no miracles to look at here. And and there is also no commands of Jesus, which it would naturally be if, if this was one of his speeches. No, this is simply Jesus' in conversation with different people. And then the question to us becomes, what can we learn here from observing Jesus in meeting with these people? What can we learn about Jesus and what can we learn from him? Looking through the whole passage, verse by verse, I sat back with two big themes. I know there's a lot more and maybe you would draw out some different things, but this is what i sat back with one jesus is not out to please people but to please his father he's always walking according or operating according to his father's timing and in his father's authority and two people had different opinions about who he was which leaves us with the question who do we know him to be So let's start by reading a bulk of it. We will first, uh, we will read verses 1 to 9. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there, they were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacle was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works that you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. It's been three months now since we last saw Jesus going up to Jerusalem. In the time that has passed, we have seen him walking around doing some amazing miracles and having some deep and prof- profound speeches. And by doing all of this, he has naturally you know, gathered a crowd of followers. We have seen this, and then we also saw last week how, uh, how he had a speech that, that people find pretty disturbing. They didn't like him, talking about them eating his flesh and drinking his blood, which I, I kind of get. I mean, it sounds a bit out there, doesn't it? And because they didn't like that, they, uh, they stopped following him and they left. And that's where we are today. And we see that his brothers, they really, they're not happy with this. I can imagine that they have, they've started to become, you know, they pretty excited seeing their big brother becoming more and more famous as he's doing some pretty cool miracles i mean turning water into wine healing the sick feeding 5000 men for not counting all the women and children that would have been there walking on water but but now he is uh, you know starting to lose his, his popularity. And, you know, they've probably even been thinking, what, what this, you know, him being so popular, what that can mean to them, being the brothers of this famous Jesus. So they don't like what is happening at the moment. And, and they come to him and they say, Jesus, this is what you should do. You should go where the crowds are. You know, go up to the festival. And when you do go, make sure you do the things that you do used to do you know the miracles the feeding and so on do that and you'll see you'll win your disciples back again but um jesus is not interested is he no he tells them that he will not be coming with them after this festival and then he says some words that to them must sound really strange he says for my time has not yet arrived and and i I can imagine the brothers going what Don't you realize it's more like your time has come and gone? I mean, you had a momentum here. You you were doing great, and now you've lost it. And if you don't get back with that crowd pretty quickly, you know, it's it's over. (laughs) But Jesus wasn't listening to them. No, what he does here is really living out the words that we heard him speak from John 5.19. Do you remember those words? he said, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father is doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. Oh, how I love those (laughs) words, and how I wish I would be able to say the same about me. I only do what I see the father is doing, that and nothing else. Jesus, he knew there would be moments when his true identity would be revealed but he also knew that uh, this was not the time he knew that he was working according to the plan of the father a plan that had been set out from the start Jesus knew who he was and he knew his purpose. And because he was so secure in his identity, he had no interest in or interest in or, or no need for winning the crowd, for the sake of winning the crowd. No, he was only interested in doing the will of his father. It is so easy to be moved by people's expectations, isn't it? I can see that in my own life. You know, I don't, I don't want to upset people. <laughs> Naturally, I, I want to please people. And, uh, you know, when people come to me with suggestion or kind of um, requests, I, unless there is something there that really stands out very clearly, like, no, 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 this is a bad idea. You know, I can often be quick and sometimes too quick at saying yes. And then I find myself in those moments later where where I go, oh, if I had just stopped up and asked God, if I had said, Father, is this you speaking? Is this your plan? Is this your timing? There is a plan and a purpose for your life too, but only by operating in god's timing and and in his authority can you experience the fullness of that plan Working on this message, I've been thinking about two situations in my life. One where I believed I moved too quickly. I, I didn't wait for God's timing. And one where I know I waited for the right time. The, the first one happened just after I finished college. I I'd felt God leading me to do a disciple training school with Youth with a Mission. And the plan was to stay at home for half a year. I would work, save up money. And then I was to go to England to do my disciple training program. Then one day I was at work, this girl that I hadn't heard from since we were 13 years old, she suddenly called me and asked me if I wanted to come with her, travel around the world and do a disciple training school in Australia and like leaving in two months. I was overly excited by the idea and I, I think I might even have said yes there and then. I mean, after all I was planning to do a DTS, so why not in Australia? And why not now? It wasn't that it wasn't altogether bad year. You know, God can can bring beautiful things out of even out of our mistakes. And and yeah, I did experience a few really special things through that time. But um, At the same time, there were more things throughout the year and the time after that pointed towards this not being the right place or the right time. And coming back home after a year of being away, I sat back with uh, those questions. What if I had waited? What if I had gone to England as I had originally planned? What would I have learned? What would God have done in my life? that I will now never know. I sit back with those thoughts and with a high interest loan that it took me years to pay back. Oh, if I had just waited <laughs> and saved up the money in advance as I had planned to do. Then... Uh, Some years later, I uh, was in a relationship that made me move to a different town in in Norway so that we could live a bit closer to each other before we would eventually get married. Now, it didn't take that long before we realized, both of us, that we wouldn't get married, so we broke off the relationship. Now, this this was difficult for me because really, I didn't want the relationship to end and it was also really difficult for me to keep seeing him. The problem was just that everything that I had in this town, I had because of him. All my friends, they were my friends because they were his friends. The church I went to, I went to because it was his church. The Bible school I attended, he was a volunteer staff at that Bible school, leading us students in worship. It was tough and all I wanted was just to run. My friends back home as well, they were encouraging me saying, you know, yes, come, run, come back home to us. It all just makes sense that you move back home. But in the midst of that, I could sense God say, no, wait, there is a reason why you are at this place. It was a tough time ahead. I I can't deny that. But wow, am I happy I stayed. Looking back, it is so clear to me that me living in that town, being a part of that church, and getting connected to the people I got connected to, was a part of God's plan for me. Four years later, God did say, now is the time to move. And wow am I happy I waited for that moment and that this time around I didn't run ahead of God. We want things now. We want things when it's most beneficial for us. We want things when it's convenient. When when it feels the easiest. When it makes sense to us. God wants things done in his timing because it always works together with his plan. Galatians 4, 4 4-5 tells us, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that you might receive adoptions as sons. When the fullness of time has come, when it perfectly fitted into God's grand plan, that's when Jesus was born. Again, there is a plan for your life. And God is just amazing, isn't it? He has got this, you know, this big puzzle of all these individual plans for us individually. And they they all just perfectly work together for his, you know, grand plan. And uh, when the fullness of time has come, when it perfectly fits into God's plan, that, is when the right time has come. Don't run ahead of him and also don't hold back. When he says move, then it's time to move. You know that wonderful, but sometimes so annoying, yet wonderful words in Jos- Josiah where God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are your ways my ways declared the Lord. Whatever God has for you, trust that it is the best. And whenever God has it for you, trust that it is the best timing. But uh, let's continue reading, shall we? Uh, We've come up to verse 10, so from verse 10 to 31, and it goes, however, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there were widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one could say anything publicly about him for the fear of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how does this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teachings come from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, (laughs) and you're all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcised a boy on the Sabbath. Now, If a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry at me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop, Stop judging by mere appearance, but instead judge correctly. At this point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man that they're trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly publicly, and they're not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he's from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple court, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him. But I know him because I am from him and he sent me. At this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Still, uh, many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? Again, there is a lot in here, but one big question that we're left with is this Who is Jesus? Who is this man? <laughs> they had this big debate going, is, is he a good man? No, but isn't he deceiving us? Well, he's clearly a learned man, but, but might he be demon possessed? Or, or is he the Messiah? No, he can't be. Or is he? Who is this man? And we already know that this is a major topic in the Gospel of John. Who is Jesus? Jesus, is, sorry, John even says, you know, towards the end of his Gospel, he says that all the things that he recorded about the, Jesus' life, he wrote those down because they all point towards who Jesus is. It's not about the miracles. It's not about the signs. No, all of this, it's just pointing us toward, revealing to us who Jesus is. And that's the big question here at the festival too. Who is this man? And what an important question to find the answer to. We heard about the brothers earlier that they didn't believe. But but they clearly believed something, didn't they? I mean, they went to Jesus and say, "Hey, go, go to the festival and you know do the things you used to do, and, and you'll win your disciples back." So clearly they believed something. They believed that Jesus could do miracles. They just didn't believe yet in who He was. You see, there is a big difference between believing in the things that Jesus does and truly believing that He is the Son of God, who came to save us. Preparing for this message, I was thinking about the royal officer that we heard about in John four. Do you remember him? The man that came to Jesus and pleaded with him to to heal his boy who was dying. There is something really interesting here. We hear Jesus telling him to, to go back home and and the man takes Jesus on his word and starts walking, and then, as he is walking, he meets his servants, and they tell him that the boy is healed, and, and hearing this, him and his whole family believed. Earlier when I've read this story, I've just assumed that this man believed Jesus right away, but it doesn't say that, does it? No, it says that he took Jesus on his word and walked, and then Later on, he, he saw, heard, and believed. John talks so much about faith in his gospel. And here in verse 17, it's, it's almost as if he stops up a moment to explain something of how faith happens when he records Jesus saying, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teachings comes from God, or whether I speak on my own. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out. Just as the royal official did, he uh, he took Jesus on his word, he acted, and then he saw and believed. I'm thinking about Peter too, when he's in that boat and seeing Jesus coming towards him on the water and he goes, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come on the water. And Jesus says, come, and and he comes. Do you think Peter actually believed that he would walk on water if he stepped out of that boat? I don't think he did. I don't even think he had time to think. I think he was just like, Master, if that's you, say, come, and I come. And Jesus says, come, and, and Peter just steps out. And he walks. He walks on water. And then back in the dry of the boat again, he falls on his knees and worships Jesus together with the other disciples saying, truly, you are the son of God. It had been like that for John himself too, hadn't it? John, you know, when Jesus First when he first met Jesus and Jesus said, Follow me, John didn't really know who Jesus was. But he took Jesus on his word and started to follow. And now, years later, when he sit there and writes his gospel, looking back, knowing the things that he now knew, I can promise you, he was happy that he had followed. And in truth, this has always been the story of faith. If you want to know who Jesus is, then take him on his word, follow, and you will see. Really, this has always been God's way. When Moses, um, you know, asked him at the burning bush, when Moses asked him for a proof to to know that it truly was God that sent him to Pharaoh to to demand that he would set the Israelites free from captivity, (laughs) God simply promises that this will be the sign that you, that to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship me or you will worship God on this mountain. That wasn't very comforting to Moses, was it? Now, I mean, that meant that he would still have to face up to, to Pharaoh and, you know, first get the proof that it actually was God sending him till after he had faced Pharaoh, What kind of reassurance is that? But that is what faith is, isn't it? This is my story too. How do I know who Jesus is? Well, the Bible tells me that he's my he's my shepherd. So, in you know, in theory, I I know that that's a part of who he is. He's also my peace. He's my joy. He's my provider. I can read all of that and I can hear other people telling me that they've experienced him being all of this. But how, how do I truly know that this is who he is? Because I have experienced it. And when have I experienced it? When I have taken a step out in faith, trusted him and followed even before I have seen Psalm 34, 8 tells us, taste and see that the Lord is good. You first have to take a bite, then you will see. So back to the question, who is Jesus? Well, follow him, take him on his word, and then you will know for yourself. Even if you don't fully understand, take him on his word. And as you walk with him, you will experience that this is true. And the longer you walk with Jesus, taking him on his word, the more you will learn to trust that he really is who he says that he is. And then when you know him, you know all the stuff about timing and all of that, it is suddenly not so difficult any longer. You remember the brothers here. They had a problem with his method, didn't they? They didn't get the way he did or didn't do things. And the crowd, now they had a problem with his message, eating his flesh and, and drinking his blood. They just didn't get it. So because they had a problem either with his method or with his message, they, they couldn't grasp his identity. They couldn't understand that this, this truly was the Messiah. But uh, now, um, in the moment this is turned around, <laughs> in the moment you start with his identity, in the moment you you see who he is, then you won't any longer have these issues with his method and his message. The harsh sounding message of the gospel suddenly becomes beautiful when you When you see who Jesus is and you realize what he's done for you on the cross, then you want to participate in this. You want to take part in his flesh and in his blood. And his methods, they won't bother you so much any longer because suddenly the trust factor goes up. So if you have a challenge understanding the things Jesus says, or you find it difficult to trust in his ways or his timings, maybe you feel the need to be in control yourself because, because you, the way that you sense God is pointing you, just, it just doesn't make sense to you. Then uh, I will still encourage you to take him on his word and follow. And as you do, you will see who he is. And as you walk with him, One beautiful effect of seeing who he is, is that everything else falls into place. You will learn to trust that he knows best, that his methods make sense, and that his message about himself, who he says he is, it is true. So Jesus, I just wanna first of all say thank you so much that, uh, that you, you invite us to follow you. Just as you did with the, your very first disciples, you said, come follow me. Thank you that you invite us to, to come and follow you. And I thank you that as we do, we will see, you will reveal to us more and more of who you are. We will get to know you and better I thank you for your word that tells us that you are our shepherd you are our peace you are our joy you are our comforter you are our provider you are the truth the way and the life and I thank you that as we walk with you the truth of this will grow stronger and stronger in our hearts so God, in this moment, I just want to pray for all of us that have been listening to this message now. God, I pray that as you speak, we will listen. And I pray that you will give us the, the courage and the determination to follow on your word. And in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.